Hi, and welcome to the Days Gone podcast. I'm Claire Weaver, a screenwriter, author, and Days Gone fan, and this podcast is a place to discuss the game in all its glory, share my opinions, both popular and unpopular, and listen to me fangirl over one of the best games ever made. There will be spoilers ahead, so continue at your own risk. Welcome to The Freak Show. It's a pretty unanimous opinion that the acting in Days Gone is phenomenal across the board. But there's one actor in particular who I'm always so impressed by. His body language, his nuance, his energy, and all that with his face hidden behind the reflective visor of a hazmat suit. Of course, you know I'm talking about O'Brien, the neuroscientist who makes contact with Deacon and digs up vital information about what happened to Sarah. I am absolutely thrilled to welcome onto the podcast the actor who gave O'Brien the energy and vibrance we all know and love, Bernardo De Paula. Hi, Nardo. How are you doing today? I'm doing great, Claire. Thank you so much for having me. Well, thank you for coming on. I have so many questions for you, but I want to start way, way, way back at the beginning. Tell me, how did you get into voice acting? Well, um, let's see. I mean, it started off probably when I was a kid because I just loved cartoons um, and the musicality of it. I mean, I'm also a a musician uh, since I was a kid, too. I play the piano and I've been toying with other instruments. But anyway, it's voice acting is is basically music. Yeah. I mean, it's tempo, it's rhythm, it's changing things up. Um, You know, so when I was a kid and watching cartoons all the time, I would imitate the voices and all that. So that sort of gave me an aptitude for imitating or at least, you know, aping what uh, I would hear. Um, And then as you know, the main thing about voice acting is knowing how to act. (laughs) So luckily, um, at a very young age, I, um, I knew what I wanted to do. I I knew I wanted to be an actor. So I pretty much went about training my entire life. I was a kid actor kind of sort of, um, but, uh, so that was, I mean, and so as I got older, it just was always something that I played with. I never got voiceover jobs. Um, you know, it wasn't something that was really available to me as I was growing up or, uh, even when I was in university. But, um, but the nice thing was that I took a voiceover class and then got signed to an agent and, um, and then just started working a little bit here and there doing, uh, I did, uh, the Warriors video game back in the day, but yeah, that was basically it. I just, I sort of started in the acting world very young and then, um, and I've just sort of, I've, I was, I was born into it as it was, as it were, you know, it's, I, it chose me. I didn't choose it. <laughs> and how did you land the role of O'Brien? Um, that was actually pretty, pretty standard. I just, I got an audition. Um, I think it was, it was all, uh, all voice. I don't think I, I went in, I think, or maybe I did. I can't remember. Um, but, uh, it was an audition and uh, I had the sides and I went in and, uh, no idea what the project was or no idea how big it would eventually become. But, um, you know, just went in just like it was any other text and just tried to breathe as much life into it as I could. And did you go in thinking of the characters having that kind of energy that I always associate with O'Brien? Um, that sort of yeah. nervousness that he has? Yeah, I, I, I sort of felt like he was um, always a, just a nervous energy, um, not his his roots were not deep. You know, like his legs would be moving at all times. It wasn't like he could be a, a steadfast oak. You know, he was always just the, the wind would take him everywhere. And, and so uh, that was sort of what I felt with his body was that he was just kind of 
this nervous energy because it's it's that constant feeling of what in the sweet hell is going on <laughs> you know like what yeah. and so now when you've got all the dangers and i'm like i am not cut out for this <laughs> this is not my strong suit i am supposed to be in a lab what did you think of the script when you first read it um to be fair i still have not read the entire script i've only played the game um i was only given a brief snippet and when i got there it was really interesting because um the other funny thing was i had no idea that sam was the sam Whitwin. <laughs> yeah i just showed up and they're like this is sam and i'm like hey what's up dude and just like you know <laughs> just did the scenes, you know, and he was cool. He was great and great to work with. And, uh, and you know, it was, it was just all, all fun, you know? So you didn't get to see any of the, the scripts for the other scenes. You just knew the O'Brien and Deacon stuff. I knew. Yeah. I knew all the O'Brien Deacon stuff. And then, um, as it went on, uh, John Garvin, the big boss man, creative genius behind this whole thing, um, John, I think he kind of pulled me aside and explained like, this is what's going to be happening and this is going to be a major, you know, secret. So you can't tell anybody, but this is what we're looking at. And that's what ended up being the, the epilogue. So that was something that I had no idea at all about because the sides were, I believe the sides were, um, Deacon and O'Brien first meeting. The one where I just suddenly nervously start spewing out like data, like information, like um, there's a rule such and such states that I, if I encounter any, you know, that, that scene. Um, <laughs> yeah. And Sam was so good. I mean, he was, he was, I mean, he is, you know, he's just so great. So it was real easy, you know, cause he's got such a presence. So it's not hard to, to, you know, submit to his more stoic energy, you know? Did you do mocap with him or was it just audio recorded in a studio? How did that it work? It was mocap. Yeah, no, it was mocap with him. Um, I did not have to have any facial stuff because I was going to be wearing the helmet, obviously. But um, all that audio stuff was done in post. Like I just did my voice and they made it sound like it was inside of a bucket or whatever. <laughs> I was going to ask because a lot of people want to know like if you had something that nope. was creating that voice at the moment or if it was done in post later. Nope, that's the geniuses uh, who have bigger and and faster brains than I. Those those folks are the ones in charge, the ones behind the computers, and the ones working the actual magic, making the game go. Uh, they're the uh, the ones responsible for that. It sounds very believable. It's, it's fantastic. Right? Um, I had Jason Spizak on recently, who voiced Schizo. And oh, he cool. mentioned he he did a lot of ad lib in. Did you get to ad lib at all, or because of the nature of your scenes being very info heavy, did you have to like stick to the script? I had to stick pretty much verbatim, um, which can be difficult at times. But um, really, the main thing was I just I didn't have the text very long. That was the thing, and so, for example, the final I mean the epilogue I got those pages when I arrived. So there was literally a time period where I just had to turn to everybody and be like, I'm very sorry. You are now going to watch me wander around the studio muttering to myself as I memorize these words. Talk amongst yourselves. <laughs> so they just called you in one day and said, we need to do an extra scene. We're not going to tell you what it is until you get here. They don't call me. They just call my agents and I just get an email saying, you know, hey, they want to book you for a day. Uh, you know, they need one more day or something like that. And I'll be like, groovy. Can't wait. I'd love to play with those guys. You know, they're, they're awesome. 
And how long did the whole process take? How many days or weeks or months were you, were you, I don't know, what do you say, well, shooting, recording, filming? Yeah, shooting or, you know, whatever. It's a good question. I don't know. Um, but I was, I would say I worked a total of probably four days, five days over the course of a couple of years. Oh, wow. It was that spread out? Uh-huh. Yeah. I wow. mean, the games take a while anyway, because, I mean, we had... Um, yeah, if I'm not mistaken, it was it was like it was definitely over a year for sure. And because, uh, yeah, because they'll do like one thing and then like a month or six weeks will pass and then you'll do another scene and then another month or six weeks will pass and then you'll do another one. You know, it's not like we book them all out in one week. And do they do them in order? I can't remember if it was in order or not. I think it may have been. I'm not sure. Well, that's interesting to know. I didn't know that it was that spread out. I just always imagined that they would, you know, kind of like block you off for like a couple of weeks or something. And that would yeah, be- that, that tends to be the way how it is in shooting, like in, in TV and film and stuff. But um, but in this instance, I just know Sam was working so much. Um, I mean, when I finally played the game, it just blew my mind how much he had to do. I was just like, dear God, this was Sam's life for like at least a year. You know, literally just dedicate, talk about dedication to a role, man. I mean, wow. There's six hours of cutscenes in the game. I think someone spliced them all together on YouTube. Holy and smokes. it's six hour runtime. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> That's a miniseries. <laughs> I know, right? Well, your energy is spot on perfection throughout the whole game. The way you depict O'Brien's nervous energy, the way your pitch rises when you're on edge. I mean, it's just, it's incredible. Aside from just pure acting talent, can you break down how you brought that kind of energy to the scenes? Um, well, the main thing is identifying, I mean, it's with any acting thing is identifying what you want, where you're coming from, where you're, you know, it's the basic questions you ask in every scene. And as a direct result is suddenly something starts affecting you. Um, I'm very lucky that I'm an empath, so I'm very sensitive to feeling and emotion, especially other people's. So it's very easy for me to, to react. Um, but that only happens when I get in the room and I have no idea who I'm playing off of. So I have no idea what they're going to give me. So all I can do is just sort of give myself an, a, a basic idea of who the character is and then go in open and ready to react however they you know, however they hit the tennis ball to me, I have to be able to hit it back. Um, so insofar as his nervous energy, it was really more, you know, my objectives are what my bosses have sent me pretty much against my will. I don't want to be here. This is way too scary for me. I'm not this guy. And I just want to do my job and do it as best I can and, and, and just get the heck out of here. Um, and then, oh my God, you know, good, you know, it's, that's, <laughs> It's just, that's, I'm just following the story in my head, you know? You almost, you, you slip into the voice when you, when oh, you really? talk about it like that. Yeah, <laughs> I can hear it a yeah, little bit. <laughs> it, I didn't, it was pretty much just my natural voice, I think. I mean, pretty much. I, I, I've, I play the game actually quite a bit. I don't play the story mode, but I've, I told, uh, I told John Garvin, I'm like, whoever made the idea to be able to reset the jobs is a freaking genius. And I love you. I may never, ever stop playing this game. Are you as hooked as the rest of us are? Because everyone who plays this game is like, I don't want oh. to play anything else. I, 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 my son watches videos of it online. He's 10. I don't call child services on me. Um, 
he uh i mean i i what i do is i'll reset like the um the hordes and the uh the camps and then i'll try and drag a horde to a camp oh i love that that's one of my favorite things to do <laughs> yeah me too me too so like and especially that one with the big um that cavern i don't know any of the names of the locations i'm sorry but that's like life i don't know any of the locations in my life either um like the one with the deep like uh like grand canyony looking thing you know what i'm talking about like that deep crevasse yes. And then you've got that cool base on top, that cool camp on top, and then you can like drag them all. Oh, it's great. <laughs> all right, let's get into the the content of the game story. Your character is the the only way that Deacon gets any insight into the science behind the Freaker virus. Some of the details are very vague, and I know people are always yearning for more information. Is there anything that maybe didn't make it into the game that was part of what you shot? I don't think so. The main um the main thing that was very interesting was that throughout the entire process, John um when I say John from now, I'm just mean John Garvin, big boss. Mm -hmm. So John um was saying to me, they're not zombies, they're freakers. And we were like, right, 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 right. right, right. I'm just saying I'm just saying zombies because it's easier. He's like, No, no, they're not zombies, they're freakers. And I always found that so interesting how he was so dead set on that. And that's because he had an idea from the jump of what the epilogue was going to be. And so, um, you know, he, he made that distinction very clear for us. So every time it was a different, you know, like, oh, no, this is a newt. This is, this is a, you know, a, such a, a bruiser or a breaker or, or, you know, or one of the screaming ones, you know. Mm -hmm. um, it, he was very specific about that. So, um, but I can't think of any of the science stuff that, um, cause it was even left up. I mean, it, it was left up, I think for the future, <laughs> for lack of a better word, um, to really establish the, the nuts and bolts of the virus and its effects and the, you know, the decisions that were made from the, uh, from the, you know, from the top and who was in charge and so forth. So. There's one scene that always gets me in the feels when O'Brien tells Deacon that Sarah survived the surgery for the knife wound, but the camp she was at was then overrun by freakers and no civilians made it out alive. Yo. Shit. Gotta stop doing that. What you got? All right, look. I'm gonna lay it out for you, but it's not good news. I finally found a guy who was willing to do some digging through some files that we, they, they used to keep while they still kept records. Okay, O'Brien. Anyway, Sarah Whitaker, your wife, was admitted to the Camp MASH unit on the South Flats outside of Silver Lake. Uh, according to the records, she was in surgery for six hours and then was moved okay, to... So she survived. The stab wound, she survived. Yeah, yeah. According to the records, she made a full recovery. Then she was moved to another camp on the outskirts okay, of Chimalt. Okay, so, so she could still be alive. Even after all this time, she could still be alive, you're saying? No. What do you mean, no? It was overrun. Everything was overrun. There were no survivors. You survived. They survived. Look, 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 look. There was nothing that would have protected that camp, okay? Highway 97 w w is an artery. Infected... Freaks poured up from L.A., from the Bay Area, from Sacramento. There were thousands and thousands and thousands of them. There was, there was nothing we could do. I get it. So you bugged out. Who did you bring with you? Uh, Nero personnel, some feds, people with clearance. Nero personnel, the soldiers, the guys with the guns, the guys who should have been protecting no, no, the there, civilians. There's nothing that you can do against a horde. Oh, They're no, too I strong. Know all They're too about fast. hordes. I didn't right. know that there was nothing that we could do. Oh, you know what you could have done? 
You could have brought a few of them with you. You could have saved a few lives. There was no hope, there was no time, there was no room, okay? We had already turned on each other by the time the hordes arrived. No, I get it. I'm sorry about your wife. I'm sorry about all of this. But you gotta understand. If you hadn't sent her with me that night, she would have been dead the next morning. You did the right thing. if you had decided to stay the only thing that would have happened is you'd be dead right alongside her don't you think i know that o'brien thank you for saving her life that night It gets me every time for Deacon, but also when you think about it for O'Brien, thinking about everything he's seen and been through, they're talking about a Nero camp being overrun and Deacon's insisting the soldiers should have saved civilians. And your line is, there was no hope, there was no time, there was no room, okay? They had already turned on each other by the time the hordes arrived. Yep. They had already turned on each other. It gives me chills to think about what that implies. The humans turning on each other, not the freakers. Oh, yeah. The depth of writing, those those teeny little clues that are peppered throughout that hinted all these like terrifying moments that happen off screen. Did you think about that and imagine all of the things that O'Brien had seen and experienced? Yeah, very much so. I mean, that's part of the uh, of of investigating the life, you know, of the, of the character. Um, and I think it's 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 a, a great point. Um, they turned on each other before the hordes arrived. I mean, that's very sort of Lord Lord of the Flies. It seems appropriate, right? Mm-hmm. That it would suddenly become every man for himself. Um, but yeah, it's it's there is a sort of um, a melancholy when he says that, you know, or when I said that, I guess um, that I really uh, that I really dug. I thought that really landed, which was nice. Yeah. Yeah, that line just really sticks out. Every time I watch that scene, I'm like, damn, I missed it, I think, the first couple times I saw yeah. that scene. And then I was paying attention. I had the subtitles on. And I was paying attention. I was like, wait, 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 wait. Hold up. Let me go back. Yeah. What did that he just say? That little line changes things. <laughs> changes I know. Things I was somewhere. like, wait, they turned on each other before the hordes arrived. I was like, shit. Shit. And you know what I was thinking, too? blew my mind. <laughs> just by saying that, it actually, again, it's the depth of the writing. It's by saying that, it actually leaves open the possibility that some of them got away because they right. said they turned on each other. So somebody stayed and somebody left. If they turned on each other, they're not going to stay together. They can't possibly, somebody's going to get away. You know, so it's, it's I hadn't yeah. even thought of that kind of you know that's an interesting take i i took it to mean that they started like infighting and and killing each other for whatever oh no for sure for sure i i think that's true but i mean like in the aftermath of that before the hordes arrived you've got the red blue red team and the blue team the blue team 
you know, wins mostly. The red team takes off into the woods. So I'm just saying there's somebody mm-hmm. out there in the woods. Who knows who it is? You know what I'm saying? And so far as Deacon being like, well, maybe shit, maybe Sarah's one of the people that survived after that. I don't fucking know, but you know. Yeah. Yeah. No, it does open up a lot of possibilities. Do you know at what point, or what's your opinion at the point in the story at which O'Brien was infected? Um, hmm. I don't think, I think when we first meet him, he's not. Um, so somewhere, I mean, during the course of, of, you know, uh, that sent from the time that we meet him in Deacon, he sort of make an arrangement. Um, yeah, maybe, gosh, I can't really put a finger on it, but I would say pretty early on. But the thing that was interesting is that John really wanted a progression. You know, he said, okay, all right, now this scene, you know, you've, you've, you're, you're now, you know, things are starting to get funky, you know? So yeah, I want your speech to be different than it was when we first meet him. Cause when I first meet him, I'm like talking like I am now it's, it's, it's quick and it's, it's, you know, I'm stuttered, whatever. As it goes on, <clears throat> excuse me, as it goes on, you can hear the voice start to change and the rhythm start to change so that by the epilogue, he doesn't sound anything like the guy in the beginning. It's right. almost quasi Shakespearean. You know, it's like he has a very sort of different way of speaking. You know, mm-hmm. it's a, and that's to, show you know whatever the virus is doing it's changing not only physically but changing you know maybe exactly who he is we don't know you know so that's interesting that that john had an idea of kind of what was happening behind the scenes with o'brien the pressure he was under the fear the the amplification of the fear that he was feeling for various different reasons but you didn't know as you said earlier that what the end scene was going to be that epilogue you know it was the last i remember the last day that we recorded we did uh, a couple of uh of real quickies and he was very close i think it was just the ones uh just the ones over the radio um so it's like it was easier because we just did a whole bunch of those in a row we didn't have to act them out obviously on mocap mm-hmm. So um, those I remember distinctly him saying like, you know, hey, make sure that this is, you know, this guy, he's, he's getting, something's changing, something's different. It's his rhythm's changing. See what happens. So basically, John knows all the answers. I need to get him on. <laughs> yeah. No, John's the, John's the man. He's, he's willing to, I'm sure at some point, he's, he'll, he'll talk to people. He'll go online and chat with people sometimes. I'll have to reach out to him. He's, he's definitely been on my list. <laughs> to get yeah, on the podcast. He's a good dude, man. He's a good dude. You said earlier that the epilogue was obviously setting stuff up for a sequel. Would you want to come back if and when a sequel ever happens? And what would you want to see happen to O'Brien? Um, well, I, as some people, I don't know if it was, some people have asked the question. I do think he was trying to set up a sequel. Um, I think it definitely deserves a sequel. Um, even if I weren't in the game, um, I would want a sequel. Now they announced that there wasn't going to be one. Why? I have no idea. Why do you feel the need to make that announcement? Um, but the problem is, is that a lot of these super talented people that were all working on the project have now sort of split up and gone different projects that are doing different things. So, you know, it would take, uh, it would take a lot of fan love and attention and, you know, dedication and making a lot of noise for Sony to, 
you know, come around. And even then it's not guaranteed, but, um, I would love to see a sequel. And, uh, what do I think O'Brien would be doing? The thing I'd be excited about would be to see sort of if somehow we could get Deacon back to wherever the, the main base or whatever, back to wherever they're, or they're running this all from. And O'Brien is there. Um, but as he's changing, it's like you can't tell if he's changing more and becoming more um, subservient to the, you know, the new, you know, freaker collective or if he's maintaining any of his humanity while having these extreme body changes and so forth. So I think that would be cool to see what happens to O'Brien as this starts happening to his body. We've already seen that just a little, you know, I remember doing that when I jump on the helicopter. Mm-hmm. I told him, I said, I want to barely jump, like barely, like I just literally, like I flicked my toes and I suddenly leapt 15 feet in the air and they were like, all right, well, we have to still sell it for mocap. So just do like a, like a bitty squat. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, okay. So that's why when you see, um, when you see him walking away and you see him hop up like that, it gives you that impression of like, whoa, wait a minute. This is now what exactly as Deacon says, what the fuck? Yeah. So, um, yeah. It would be fascinating to see where it could go. There's just so many possibilities. Yeah. It's so open of an ending. I'm just like, I want to know which direction are we going? What's what's happening? I just want to know if John had an idea, if he had started writing something, you know, I'm like, dude, I'll take anything. I just want to get an idea. Like, where were you going, man? Yeah. Well, hopefully one day they do revisit it. Hopefully, you know, something happens. I mean, I my research, I heard that they'd rejected a proposal for a sequel, but hadn't said, no, we're never going to do one. Okay, well, that's good. I don't know what that means. I, it still doesn't mean we're going to get a sequel, but... Yeah, right. Yeah. Well... Never I, say never. Exactly. Never say never. Let's hope. Yeah. Like I said, I'm just happy that I can keep playing the game now. <laughs> yeah. So I want to talk about that, about your experience. So you've played it through just once, and now you just run around resetting the hordes, or have you played it multiple times? I've only played it once, but gosh, this conversation is really making me want to go back because I kind of want to watch... Um, I want to play the game and watch the cutscenes again all the way through because I can always just watch the cutscenes online. But yeah. I just want to kind of have that whole experience again. But the problem is, is that I'm kind of a noob, so I can't raise the difficulty too high. <laughs> I mean, who cares? Just play it on easy. That's what I was. I, I tend to play it on easy anyway because I just uh, I'm still. They're so silly. I'm playing uh, the uh, Avengers game, and there's just one level that I, I I can't beat, and it stinks because I haven't played the game in like since the game came out. Cause I was like, well, I guess that's where that game, en- game ends for me. <laughs> I can't, I can't possibly beat that level. Fair enough. Okay. Moving on. I'll just go back to days gone and hosing some zombies. That's the main thing that I love is that like, if I ever just want to get in a game and just like grab an M60 and just like pull the trigger and hold it, <laughs> this game is so much fun for that. Absolutely. Did it turn out how you imagined it? I mean, you said at the beginning you didn't really see any, you know, any of the other scenes or get to really know much of no what the game clue. was. Yeah, no what did you idea. imagine you were a part of? I they told me it was like um Sons of Anarchy meets um The Walking Dead. And so I was like, okay. So there's zombies <laughs> and the dudes on a motorcycle. 
they're like, yeah, I'm like thinking to myself, well, I'm pretty original, da, da, da. you know, like, <laughs> um, but then when I played it, it's like, I honestly cannot understand how the show wasn't well received at first. Like that blows my mind because from mm-hmm. the, I mean, I waited, I tend to not get, I have two kids and at the time my kids were even younger. So the op- the opportunity to sit down and play, uh, you know, a game that has six and a half hours of cutscenes is pretty difficult. It'll take me a long time. So I don't think I even picked up the game until probably six months after it had been out, but I loved it. I thought it was so cool. I mean, honestly, the, the hardest parts for me are like, you know, trying to drive the motorcycle quickly without hitting a tree. Oh yeah. Tell me about it. (laughs) (laughs) I I know that feeling. I try. I you know, it was. I think it was John asking me. He's like, "Hey, oh no, it was Jeff." Uh, Jeff Ross asked me. He was just like, "Hey, did you have you gotten platinum yet?" And I'm like, "Bro, do you seriously think that I could ever complete those driving the motorcycle missions, like the timed race ones? Like, what are you high?" I'm like, "No, you don't need to do those to get the platinum." Wait, what do I have to do to get the platinum? I thought I had to beat everything, everything, everything. No, you don't have to beat the challenges. I thought that too, but you don't have to beat the challenges. Oh. Well, then I must have I must have already gotten that, I guess. I don't know. That's weird. What do I know? Oh, wait. Or maybe it was the like 13-minute drift that you have to do. I remember that yes. one. There was one that's like a – I'm like, wait, yeah. how long of a drift? It's like six seconds. It's 10 it's like, seconds. like, how fast am I going to be going? 10 seconds? Oh, is it – wait. Is it 10 or is it five? Oh, no. Oh. I can't remember. Now I'm second-guessing myself. But that one um, took me ages to do. That's the last one that everyone gets. No one can do that one. That's the one. Yeah, I'm I'm almost positive I got stuck on that one. But I was like, here's where I just flip the switch in my brain and go, you did it. Congrats, pal. Moving on. Well, if you ever want to try the the uh, nitro drift, whatever, whatever it's called, apocalypse yeah. burnout, I found the trick is to make sure you have the nitro three on your bike because I was trying it for hours and then realized they only had nitro two and that only gives you four and a half seconds of nitro and it is five seconds i hadn't got the right nitro i hadn't upgraded and i'm like a dumbass just driving around like (laughs) why am i not getting this trophy (laughs) so pro tip make sure you got the right nitro thank you All right, I've got one last question for you. Sure. Where can we see you next? What are you currently working on? Where can we see you or hear your voice next? Well, uh, currently, um, I am on a show called Jellystone, um, which is on HBO Max and Cartoon Network. It is um, a new incarnation of the Hanna-Barbera characters. Very irreverent. Um, I like to call it Yogi Bear on acid. Um <laughs> And yeah, I play uh, El Cabong, and I play uh, the King, and uh, who else? Oh, I play Mildew Wolf, too. Um, and uh, yeah, in season one, I play those and a few other small characters. And then in season two, I've got some more characters coming out. So everyone, please go check it out. It's awesome. Um, it's on HBO Max whenever you can check it out and on Cartoon Network on Saturday mornings. Awesome. Well, thank you so, so, so much for coming on the podcast. It was a real genuine pleasure to chat with you. Oh, well, thank you so much. It was fun chatting. I'm always, you know, always glad to talk to the fans about something that I, that I love like this. You, know? you can email me your thoughts, comments, opinions, and counterarguments at daysgonepod at gmail.com. You can also find me moderating the Days Gone subreddit. Thanks for listening. Weaver out. <laughs>